0: Turn with me to 3 John, if you will. The epistle of 3 John. We are in a series called All in the Family. We've been talking about um, different aspects of the family. We've been coming at it from the standpoint or the point of view of the Bible. We've been talking about the Biblical biblical, uh, family, what it means to be a family, uh, a godly family, what it means to have a Christian marriage, a godly marriage. We talked a lot about marriage last week. We talked about fathers and being a godly father, and uh, what kids need. And now we're coming into the last section of this series on the family. We're going we'll to be talking about raising children, raising kids God's way. It's going to take us several weeks to get through this message. We're going to be talking about a lot of different areas. Uh, one thing i would say to you right up front is this parents remember raising kids is your responsibility not theirs in the in in the in the relationship in the parent-child relationship remember this you're the adult they're not the responsibility for raising children the responsibility for putting the bible into the home the responsibility for the The godly application of biblical principles is on you, not on them. So that's where we're going to begin. Uh, That kind of gives you an understanding, an idea of where we're coming from in this series. If you would stand with me as we read our text verse for this message. 3 John verse 4. 3 John verse 4 simply says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear my children are walking in truth you may be seated <laughs> just like a strong godly marriage is the foundation of a strong home strong godly adults are the foundation for raising godly children if you listen godly children the next generation falling in love with jesus christ the next generation being raised in biblical principles the next generation Continuing what we've started and following through with what we have, uh, the foundation that, that has been laid by our lives and our attitudes and the way we've lived Jesus doesn't happen by accident. Being a parent is hard work and being a godly Christian parent is even harder work, especially in today's society. I don't think I have to go too deep into detail to make the point that today's society is not friendly to raising godly children. It's just not. Aaron and I have had conversations recently, and I'm not gonna go into some of the things we've talked about because it's not the time for those, but it's amazing to me the kind of discussions we're having in our society today. The things we're actually talking about. The things we're debating the the things that are actually being questioned as to whether they're true or right or not those are the kind of things that you face as a parent as you raise children not only are you trying to teach your children right from wrong not only are you trying to teach your children how to have respect and and things like that you're also combating the society out there which is completely against god and it's not only against God, it's hostile towards God. It's hostile towards the things of the Bible. It's hostile towards the way that we stand and the way we live. It's hostile towards the things, especially in our region of the country. It doesn't matter what generation you're from. It doesn't matter what your cultural background is. If you're a parent, as a parent, you have the greatest responsibility that could ever be given to you. If you're a parent, if you have a child in your life, and not just a parent, if you, have, uh, if, if you have a child in your life to whom you are an example, or you have any kind of responsibility as an adult, you have the greatest responsibility ever given to anyone. Raising children is the greatest responsibility that God has given to us. Andy Stanley said this, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but it may be someone you raise. Raising children doesn't come naturally, despite what anybody says. I remember in my, when I was growing up and uh, when I first became a father, people said, oh, don't worry about it. Once you have children, it'll all come naturally. Uh, okay. <laughs> nice thought. It doesn't. Raising children, some people are better at it than others. Some people just, that's, that's the desire of their heart, to be a parent. And for some people, it seems to come naturally. But it doesn't really come naturally for everyone. And raising children according to the plan that God has laid out in his word is even more unnatural. Why? Because it goes completely against society. It goes completely against everything that is being pumped into us on the internet, on TV, in print. If people, if you still read magazines or books, actually hold them in your hand instead of seeing them on a screen. (laughs) Yet, with all the challenges that are in front of us, with all the negativity, with uh, with all the opposition that is against a Christian parent raising their children, with godly principles, you are still tasked to raise children, to be functional human beings, and to be the next generation of the followers of Jesus. When we talk about Awana, I know we, we chuckle when Jonathan's announcement plays, and uh, it's, it, it, you know what? You know what it does? It reminds you that Awana happens on Wednesday night. And we have a great turnout on Wednesday night right now. The, the men of the church, the, the men's Bible study, I think Mike said it's up to 12 now, 12 men meeting on Wednesday night, which is awesome. The ladies, I'm not sure how many they have on the Wednesday, because the ladies do their small group on Wednesday night and Thursday night. So I'm not sure how many, um, 14 is, and then like 18 ladies yesterday at an iced tea party, right, that was nice. I'll tell you what, what just gets me really excited as a pastor is tripping over children on Wednesday nights because they're all over the place in our Awana program. I think it's awesome. And of all the things we do, it, it's very difficult to qualify and it's very difficult to, to put one as more important than the other. But that Awana program and our Sunday morning program, combined with what you do with your children at home and how you teach them at home, is how we are efforting to make sure that this church continues beyond our lifetime. To make sure that the witness of Jesus Christ goes beyond us. See, what we're trying to do is raise the next generation of followers of Jesus. That's a very difficult task children are close to the heart of Jesus during his ministry on earth he spoke of children often and he used them as examples of true faith in him how many times have you read in the gospels that Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a child it takes the faith of a child to understand or to enter the kingdom of heaven over and over again he said these things he told his disciples not to keep them away from him because their faith And love mirrored what is necessary to become a Christian. And he gave a stern warning to those who would consider hurting a child and said that death by drowning with a millstone tied around your neck is easier to contemplate than what would happen to you if you harm a child. Of the three people that are recorded that Jesus raised from the dead, Two of them were children. Jesus did and said much that, uh, said much to convey to us the great responsibility that is ours when it comes to raising children. And he also gave us some food for thought to contemplate and understand the devastating effects that bad and irresponsible parenting can have on a child. Our world today is seeing exactly what can and will happen when parents fail to take seriously the responsibility and the sacrifice that is involved in raising children. Yes, I used those two words, and I think those are two of the most powerful words that can come to us as adults, uh, responsibility and sacrifice. If I were to, if, if you were to ask me what the biggest mindset change that must happen for a parent when raising a child, it would be this, you must learn to sacrifice. Remember what we said a couple weeks ago in the sermon, I say this quite often, and it comes from Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life, it's not about you. Parenting is not about you. Parenting is about the child. Parenting is about children. Making sure that you're a godly parent is about you. Making sure that you're walking close to Jesus, that's about you. But raising children is about your child. Too many times in this generation today, in our modern society, we are making parenting about ourselves. And and folks, let me say this. I I tell my boys all the time, if if you're ever around our family, if you're around... um, but Zach's not in here, and Gabriel and Michael are in the show. Zach's back there, hiding behind the computers. Um, my three sons, uh, I say, I'd say the same thing to Zach when he was a kid. When they tried to get a little too familiar and a little too flip with me, and Gabriel and Michael do the same thing with me, and especially with Aaron, I'll tell them, listen, listen, guys, I'm not your buddy on the playground. I'm your father. I'm not your friend. I'm your father. Now, at the age of 37, Zach and I now, our, our relationship has, has, has grown into a friendship relationship, and we're very close in that way. But when my 10-year-old sons want to try to be very flip and very uh, smart aleck with me, I don't know what word you use in your home, you might want to keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'll tell them that, because it's not my job to be buddies with my boys. It's not my job to be their friend. It's my job to be their father. It's my job to be their guide through life. It's my job to be their instructor. And yes, it's my, gu- it's my job to be the one who, who brings punishment into their lives, which is actually the hardest part of being a parent, I believe. Dr. Tony Evans said this, it's far easier to shape a child than to repair an adult. It's very true. It's far easier to shape a child than it is to repair an adult. Unfortunately, ruining a child for life is easier than preparing a child for life. I'll say that again. Unfortunately, ruining a child for life is easier than preparing a child for life. Now, no one is perfect And being a parent isn't about being perfect, and every parent will make mistakes, but God's Word gives us direction and it gives us teaching that if we take to heart and apply to our parenting practices, it will give our children the greatest opportunity to not only find Jesus as their Savior, but also to learn and choose to follow Him with their lives. And that's the big goal, I believe that's the biggest goal of being a Christian parent, is first to bring your children to a place of accepting Jesus as their savior. You can't do that for them, but you sure can bring them to the foot of the cross. And once they accept Christ as their savior, now your responsibility is to give them a guide, give them understanding, give them a roadmap for following Jesus. Listen, I know it's tough. Those of you who are parenting teenagers today, I may be calling you uh, in a few years, asking for advice. Hey, I'm, I, Aaron and I thank God almost daily that we have boys and not girls. Nothing against girls, nothing against women. I, that's, God, that's God bless you. But I would go to prison if I had teenage daughters today. Uh, I've, <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that (laughs) I'm pretty confident in that in that declaration okay it's very difficult today one thing I would say before we ever get into the, the points of this message is this please don't give up please don't throw in the towel parents because your children need you to have endurance Your children need you to stand strong and they need you to fight against those powers that are trying to tear down your will and your desire to raise a godly child. Watching a child walk away from faith is painful and it's tragic. We read in Matthew 16, 26, what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? And I would take that verse and make a secondary application in this way. Parents, what's more valuable to you than your children? What is more valuable in your life other than your marriage? Because I said that uh, when we were preaching about marriage, that merit, that your marriage is the number one responsibility in your life as a married adult, and that's where you that that is the, the secret to a strong home is a strong marriage. But the secret to um, successful parenting for a for a couple is being strong in your marriage, and that will uh, that that will help you to be a much better parent. But parents, I would ask you this question: What is more valuable in life? Than your children. And you can say and make all the excuses you want I'm doing this for my kids, I'm doing this for my family, I'm doing. Are you really? Are you really doing it for your family? Are you really making all those quote unquote sacrifices for your children? Or are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it for self fulfillment? Because that's what society tells us that. Is important today. What is a greater resource for the future than our children? The obvious answer to these questions as a Christian is nothing. And that's why it's imperative that parents who follow Jesus know what his word has to say about raising his greatest resource. It's vital folks as Christian parents it's incredibly important that we know what the Bible has to say. Not what, uh, not what the internet tells you, not what the latest buzz is on, online or the latest books that will tell you or the latest uh, whatever that comes out from, uh, from psychology tell you how to raise children. As Christian parents, it's imperative that we know what the Bible has to say. Now, I'll give this disclaimer before we get into all this as well. You may not like everything I have to say. That's okay. That's all right. But this is not my opinion. I want you to understand that. This is not my opinion. This is not John Chase's book on how to raise children. What I'm going to be sharing with you are biblical principles from God's Word about what He expects us as parents to do, the tools He expects us to use as we raise children now let me just give it, let me just let me let me just pull the curtain back for a second and tell you this we are going to be talking about discipline and we were talking about discipline as christian parents now some of you instantly think oh he's a he's a, a pastor he must be talking about spanking kids listen i don't care whether you spank your kids or not that's entirely up to you spanking your children is legal in massachusetts as long as you spank them on the uh, in the right spot and use your hand. Can't use a can't use a two by four. You know? Although sometimes that's exactly what's needed. <sighs> <sighs> Sorry, Vicky. <I> <laughs> but we are going to be talking about discipline, and you may you may not believe in corporal punishment, and that's between you and God. I'm not here to convince you one way or the other. But there is godly discipline that needs to be exercised in your home for your child. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about some things that you may not be comfortable with. Things that you may not have heard before. But I promise you, it's going to be the Word of God. And it's going to be biblical principles that will help us as Christian parents to better raise our children... Adrian Rogers, a pastor from the South, said this, children are truly a blessing from God. Unfortunately, they don't come with an instruction manual, but there's no better place to find advice on parenting than the word of God, which reveals a heavenly father who loves us and calls us his children. It contains great examples of godly parents. It gives direct instruction on how to parent, but it is filled filled with many principles we can apply as we strive to be the best parents we can be. You are not called to be perfect. You are not called to be the model parent. You are called to be the best you can be according to the word of God and through the power of God. And quite honestly, you are not called to be what, whatever your definition of of a successful parent is, You need to refine that and filter it through the Word of God because it's not your job to make sure that your children become responsible adults. Once they become adults, that choice is on them now. What you are called to do is give children the tools, the foundation, the teaching, the understanding from the Word of God that they can take and use, and if they apply it to their lives will help them to become a powerful, strong, successful, and contributing member of the kingdom of God. It is the foolish parent who says no to God and his word when it comes to raising children. It's the foolish parent that says no to God when it comes to, says no to God and his word when it comes to raising children. It is the disconnected parent who fails to act out the scriptures when it comes to parenting. And we're gonna be talking about that as we go through this. It's the dysfunctional and unloving parent who fails to see the incredible importance of godly principles in raising children. And it is the sad parent who looks back with regret on the time they had to raise their children in the word, knowing they wasted those years. And let me say this as well, you may not have begun raising your children according to the word of God, but it's never too late. It's never too late to incorporate the principles of God. Listen, I don't care if your children are adults. Some of you, your children are making choices now. They're older kids and they're old enough to make their own choices. You may not think so, but they think so, and that's part of what the clash is between parents and children, teenagers, older teenagers. But can I, can I just encourage you with this, parents, don't give up and don't give in. Don't give in to what the influences in their lives are telling them is true and right. Stand strong in your principles. Stand strong in the Word of God. You can do that in love. But don't allow society to change the way you parent and to change the way you apply the Word of God. And a lot of this is going to make sense as we get into this message. There are no guarantees that your children or your child will choose Christ or that they'll choose to follow him with their life. But your job as a parent isn't to make those choices for them. Your job is to equip your children with the tools they need in order to make the best and most informed choice that they can for their lives. Michelle Anthony said, our goal as parents should be to pass down our faith to the next generation in such a way that they can pass their faith down to the following generation in our absence. So how do we do this as Christian parents? How do we do this? And I hope that this introduction has has laid a foundation of the importance and the heavy weight that is on us as parents because it is a heavy weight. It is a heavy responsibility. It's incredibly important. How do we equip and prepare our kids for the life ahead how do we encourage them to choose Jesus as their Savior and then choose him and, and then encourage them to choose him as their Lord what do kids need to thrive as young believers and lifelong followers of Jesus the first thing they need I believe with all my heart is that your children need to know that you trust God they need to know that you trust God. I make no bones about it, and I share quite often (laughs) uh, tales from my childhood. The way I was raised, I quite literally was in church at the age of four days old. Been there ever since. I'll say this, I'm sure, several times during this message, this several weeks of, me- of this message church was never a choice for me growing up church was never a choice I didn't have the choice if we were sick my father would look at us and say how sick are you and if you'd throw up my father would say now don't you feel better let's go to church it was very difficult to get out of going to church in my house as a kid. And I can probably count on my hands the Sundays that we missed, that I missed, Sunday morning service or Sunday school. Because my mother and my father as a team determined that I and my siblings were going to understand the importance of church in the life of a child. It wasn't an option. Now, you may not like that. You may come from the the mindset and the school of thought that children should be able to make their own choices. I'm telling you, they're not old enough or mature enough to make those important decisions. Oh, I just disagree. Okay. All right. Listen, I'm not going to argue about it. I'm just going to say, just wait and see. Just wait and see. If you give your children the the kind of freedom to make the choices in things that are incredibly important in life then they're going to want that freedom to make every choice and they're going to be making choices that are not smart that are not good and that are not safe it is your responsibility as a parent to make those choices for them they need to know that you trust god Lindsay Bell said the goal of parenting isn't to raise perfect kids, it's to point kids to the perfect God. You will have no credibility with your children if you try to point them to Jesus, yet don't follow him with your life. If you don't back up what you're trying to teach your children with the life that is honest to God, a life that is pure before God, a life that does its best to follow Jesus Christ in everything, then you're not gonna have any credibility with your children. So the first thing your children need to know if you're going to raise them in a godly home is that they need to know that you trust God. Deuteronomy 6 verses five through through nine says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when they sit in your house and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Back in the days, uh, back in these days, uh, Jews had what were called phylacteries. And phylacteries were nothing more than a leather pouch with cords attached to them. And they would take a phylactery and they would tie it around their forehead. And inside that pouch would be scripture. On pieces of parchment, they would write, they would have scripture written. And they would put it in there and they would tie it around their forehead or they'd tie it around their arm. Why? So they always had the word of God close. And that's what the Word of God is referring to here. Make it known to your children that the Bible is important to you. Make it visible. Make it known. In your house, make sure that children know. Make sure that they see the Bible. Don't hide the Word. That's why I encourage people, listen, having the Bible on your phone is a great idea because you can take it anywhere. But I believe with all my heart every Christian should own a physical Bible. Now you may not agree with that, that may not be your, your thing, you may be modern and you think everything is electronic and that's great. But I'll tell you what, especially as parents, there is nothing greater than, seeing your, than your children seeing you sit down at your table reading the Word of God. Sometimes my boys have come up behind me or come up behind Aaron and they'll see us reading our Bible and they'll say, what are you reading? And we'll say, it's the Bible. Do you want to read with us? And and they start to read along with us. And I think that's great. I think that's awesome. I want my sons to know that the Bible is important to me. That the Bible is what is the foundation, not only of my house or, or my life, but my marriage and my home. I want them to understand that. And if I'm going to have any credibility in raising my, my, my children according to the Word of God, they must know that it matters to me. They need to see you reading your Bible. Now, as an aside, I think not only do they see, need to see you reading their Bible, I believe that children... Once they get to the point where they can read and understand, they need to read the Bible themselves. And maybe you sit down and have devotions with them. Maybe you sit down and read the Bible with them. And people ask me a lot, what books of the Bible are good for my children to read? So let me tell you, in my opinion, I think kids that are 12 and under, I think reading the Gospels is a great idea. Reading the Gospels, reading the stories about Jesus, Him healing, reading the parables of Jesus, What better way for a child to be taught about Jesus than to be taught by the words of Jesus? And I think another great book of the Bible for kids that are 12 and under to read is the Proverbs. Read through Proverbs. I mean, many of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but many of you, in your daily devotions, it it includes reading a proverb every day, right? Many of you read, read a proverb or read part of a proverb every day. Proverbs are filled with wisdom. Proverbs is filled with good advice and good counsel as to how to make good choices, good godly choices in life. So having children that are being formed and their mind and their understanding is being formed, read the Proverbs is a great idea because it's giving them a moral functional compass by which to live. Read Proverbs to your kids. Now, when they get to be teenagers, things are a little bit different. And I think reading through the book of Acts, because Acts talks about that early church and how they stood up to peer pressure and how they stood up to society and how they took a stand for Jesus, even though it was difficult, they took a stand. And having that example in their life and reading about true life people who stood up for what they believed and didn't cave in to the pressure of society is just an outstanding example. Reading Ecclesiastes, because teenagers are getting to the point where they're making those choices about what they're going to be in life. And... and and being successful and having a lot of money and having a great career. All these things are what is really taking hold in their lives. Yet, once again, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes and Ecclesiastes is filled with warnings about what not to make the God of your life. Don't make money your God because it's just emptiness. Don't make success your God because it's just emptiness. If you're raising young men, teach them not to make women their God. Listen, we have a, we have we have twin boys. That most of you know that, and they are very close. They're very tight. Yet they are incredibly different. Michael, if you notice one thing, you'll notice about our sons is that they have a lot of hair, right? They get that from me. <laughs> Literally, they got it. Oh, just kidding. Our sons have a lot of hair. Gabriel could care less. Right? Gabriel's, Gabriel's hair is, is uh, tight curls, and he could care less. I mean, he wakes up in the morning, and it's like, it's like a mountain range. It's got dips and valleys and everything. He doesn't care. In fact, this morning, Aaron said, guys, you need to go comb your hair, and Gabriel says, mom, I'll just wear a hat. <laughs> That's his answer to everything, just wear a hat, right? Michael, <laughs> and some of you guys are like, yeah, I get that. Michael, on the other hand, He is Rico Suave. Michael is Puerto Rican to the core. Because Michael is all about, I got to have the hair slicked back, man. I got to be, I got to look, I got to look the part, you know? And Michael is going to be the guy that makes sure that he does this to all the young ladies. And I'm going to be the father in the back, smacking him in the head. You do that again, kid, I'm going to lock you up. We need to make sure that our sons understand that life is not all about women. And Solomon warns about that. And that women, we raise our children, our, our daughters, to understand life is not all about finding the right man. And you are not complete just because you have a man in your life. You are complete without a man because you are complete in Jesus. If God blesses you with a husband, then he blesses you with a husband. But if not, you can be a great woman of God and still be single. Ladies and gentlemen, your daughters need to know that. They need to understand that they don't have to have a man simply to be complete in life. Not only do they need, you to, see, need to see you reading your Bible, they need to see and hear you pray. They need to see and hear you pray. In fact, I believe you should be the one that teaches your child how to pray. They need to see and hear you pray. We have a, a family prayer. We actually started it the first night the boy when the boys first moved in with. For those of you who are new and you don't know, Gabriel and Michael are adopted. We adopted Gabriel and Michael through the DCF uh, system. And the first night they came to live with us, we sat down for dinner. I think we had spaghetti. Did we have spaghetti or we had I don't know rice and beans? I don't know whatever we had. It was tough because they they were trying not to they they, they weren't sure they were going to stay because they had, we were their sixth house and they were going to give us a hard time but no matter what the, whatever was put in front of them we said we pray in our house so let's pray and we grabbed hands and it was just off the cuff and it's our family prayer and we've said it at every meal when the boys have breakfast i don't care if it's pop tarts we have uh because that's my gourmet breakfast pop tarts um we pray Thank you, Jesus, for our food and our family. Bless it to our bodies. Amen. I love you. I love you. And our boys say that all the time. And, if, and now, if we forget to pray, they won't start eating. They'll say, hey, Dad, did we pray for breakfast? Hey, Mom, did we pray for lunch? And, and when people come over, some of you who have had dinner at our house, you come over, you know. And, and, when we, and if we have a church function, if you ask me to pray, guess what we're going to say? We're going to do the Chase family prayer. I want my boys to know about prayer. We pray before, while we're in the truck, taking them to school in the morning, we pray. I pray with them before they go to sleep at night. And I want my, my boys to know that on Saturday, there's a point in time on Saturday where Dad takes a prayer drive, where he goes and he just prays for Sunday. I want my boys to understand that me and their mom, we believe in prayer. And not only do we believe in prayer, but we actually pray. They need to see you, they need to hear you talk about your faith. They need to hear you talk about the things of God. We just put a pool up yesterday. Finally, got that pool up. Our sons know that it's a blessing from God. It's not because mom and dad just are so wonderful. They know that God blessed our family with a pool. We don't live five minutes from the beach, although my wife would love that. We have, we have sand in the backyard around the pool, and we now have a pool. And that's a blessing from God. I'll bring, I'll bring sand in to make it a beach for her. That's fine. One thing that some of you won't be happy about hearing is this. Your kids need to see you give financially to your church. They need to see and know that you financially support your local church. If you expect the kingdom of God to continue, if you expect the church to survive beyond your generation, you will pass, not only you will, will you contribute financially to your local church, you will teach your children. I know some parents who, when, when their kids are sitting with them, they allow their kids to put the offering in the plate when the plates were passed. I think that's a great example. Or when they would take a Sunday morning, off, a, a Sunday school offering, they would give their kids money to give Uh, The offering I remember when Aaron first came to our church uh, She was brought by grace uh, grace che who used to play the piano for us and The first Sunday we took up the offering and Aaron didn't know what was going on and grace reached into her envelope and handed Aaron some money For Aaron to put in the offering plate. She was discipling Aaron in how to give and support our church Your kids need to see you financially support your church. They need to hear about it. They don't need to hear how much you give and that you're a a stalwart and the church wouldn't survive without you. That's not what they need to hear. They need to hear that you financially support your church and they they need to see that happen. And they need to see you as a consistent Christian if if they're going to learn to be consistent in their walk with Jesus they if they're gonna be if they're gonna grow up to be a consistent christian they can't see an on again off again christian they can't see someone who attends church for two months and then disappears for three and then attends church for six weeks and disappears for four work is one thing understand that let's have some common sense talking about people who put a thing other things above church second thing i think your children need to understand and know if, they're, if you're going to raise godly children is this. They need you to truly love them. Your kids need you to truly love them. Now, when I was growing up as a kid, I don't know if a and when my father was preaching, I don't know if my father would think that there was a need to put that in a sermon when talking about parenting, because that was just a foregone conclusion. But nowadays, I believe we're living in the end times, and the Bible says in the end times, parents will be without natural affection. And I believe we are seeing a generation grow up that does not have that natural affection towards children. In fact, it's being encouraged not to. I was in a uh, a support group meeting um, for foster and adoptive parents, and and a person said, a, a parent in that group, said that they were told by a worker in DCF that your children are more the state, they, they are more the state's children than they are yours. And that's the idea that many, I'm not saying that's the state's mentality, but I'm saying that there are many people working in our government that believe children belong to the state, not to parents. And I can tell you working, through, working with DCF, That's very true. There are people that actually believe that. And because of that, I believe that contributes to the loss of natural affection and natural love. Parents are no longer responsible for their children. If you can't do it, give them over to the state. The state will take them. Your kids need to know, if you're going to raise godly children if you're going to raise children that follow Jesus, they need to know that you truly love them. I, I said, I told Aaron about this this morning and I want you to understand how I'm saying this. It's kind of tongue in cheek, but it's actually very true. You don't always have to like your kids or what they do. But they do need to know that no matter what, you love them. You don't always have to like what your kids do. They can, how, I'll ask you this, cause I wanna see how many of you are gonna be honest. How many of you have children that get on your last nerve? Daily. And they're adults. <laughs> By the minute. Even when they're away from you, they're on your nerve. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Brian's double fisting it, yeah. Absolutely. That is, listen, that is the job of a child, to annoy their parents, to drive you up a tree. And you know it is because you did the same thing to your parents when you were a kid. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Come on. We just talked about being honest, and we're in church. All right? (laughs) But kids are going to try you. Kids are going to push you to your limit. And it is going to drive you crazy. It's okay not to like what they're doing. But it's never okay not to love your child. And it's never okay not to let your child know that you love them. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. If you don't love your child, you are not mirroring God to your children. If you are not showing your children love, and if you are not showing them the love of God, you are not mirroring God to your children. And that's part of our responsibility, to let them know that we love them. Why is it so important that you love your children that they, and that they know you love them? Because this models the love of God for them. Listen, God's not always going to like what they do. God doesn't always like what you do, but he always loves you. And you can never outrun God's love. You can never get away from God's love. You can never be too far away from his grace where it cannot reach you. And your child needs to know that. Your child needs to know that no matter what, no matter what choices they make in life, you may not like them, you may not like the choices they make, and it may cause division and schisms between you and your child. And listen, don't let, don't use the excuse that I love my child too much to disagree with them cause you to, 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 uh, to become a hypocrite in your stand. It's okay to take a stand that is opposite from your child because they need to see that. Your kid's being a knucklehead. Your kids, being, uh, your kid's making a bad choice. Taking a wrong stand, going down the wrong road. They need to know. Listen, you remember the prodigal son? What, did the, what didn't the father do? The father didn't run after him and get involved in that life. The father took a stand at home and waited for the boy to come back and when the boy came back the boy was expecting judgment and punishment and degradation yet what he got was love and that's what your children need to know that you are going to love them no matter what you're not always going to like what they do you may not agree with what they do but you're always going to love them And the third thing, last thing we're going to cover today is this. They need you to be a godly example. Your children need you to be a godly example. Someone said, if we don't teach our children to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. If we don't teach our children to follow Christ the world will teach them not to folks that is that that's that's today that's society today that is what they're getting over and over and over again whether it's on TV whether it's in school listen you may not you not may not be a big public school person but you should be you should be all over your children's teachers You should be all over your children's administration. You should be all over the school board. If you live in Springfield, sorry, Melvin, I'm going to tell him. If you live in Springfield, you've got an advocate here that you can go to and say, hey, Melvin, I need some understanding about what's going on in the public schools. He may not have the answer, but Melvin is a man of character. And we'll find out an answer. Melvin is a city councilor in Springfield. Sorry to out you in front of everybody, my friend. I am tired of Christians stepping away from their responsibility. Listen, it doesn't mean that we have to be political, but it does mean that we have to be involved, especially when it comes to our children. And all I hear about is people complaining, 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 but when I ask people, what have you done about it? The answer is a shoulder shrug, well, what can I do? I'll tell you what you can do. You can be a thorn in the flesh of those teachers. You can be a thorn in the flesh of those administrators. You can let it be known that you don't expect that kind of treatment or that kind of teaching, and you disagree with what's going on. It may not change, but at least they'll know. And you know what's going to happen the next time? I'll tell you from experience. They're going to contact you. They're going to come to you and ask what's going on. If, if, you, would, if you would agree with this, if you would back this, that's what's going to happen. And your godly stand for truth and what's right will have an effect. <clears throat> your kids need a roadmap for following Jesus. You need to be the author of that roadmap. You need to be the one, you need to be their Google Earth <laughs> when it comes to following Jesus. You need to be their GPS. They need to be able to plug into you. Plug in the coordinates of mom and dad and see that path that will lead them in the way of Jesus. Proverbs 22.6 says, start a youth on his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Now that is not what many people think, a guarantee that your child will never go wrong. What that is is a guarantee that your child will always know right from wrong that's all that is please don't think that you're a failure if your child has grown up and walked away from God even though you raised them with Christian principles your child if you sat them down and gave them truth serum would tell you straight up yes I know I'm wrong because you taught them right from wrong and eventually as the Holy Spirit continues to work on their hearts if they if they soften their hearts to God They will come back to him. That's why you always continue to pray for those who walk away. Because God never gives up on them. His Holy Spirit continues to chase them down. And they need your prayers to empower the work of God in their lives. Your kids need a role model, not a hypocrite. Your kids need a role model, not a hypocrite. You don't have to be perfect, but you do need to be honest. You do need to take that stand. listen, like I said, you and I may not agree on everything. We may not agree on all, all things that are, that, that, the, the things that you choose to do in your life may be things that I choose not to do, and there may be differences of opinion among your friends. But where there doesn't need to be uh, differences and where there doesn't need to be doubt is in front of your children. Your children need to see a godly example. Folks, that starts with having them in church. If you're watching us on Facebook, it starts with you having them in church. It's time, folks, to become faithful back in church. To start bringing your children and making sure that they are being taught and trained, adding to what you do at home. Because we are not the end-all, cure-all. We are just additions to what you're doing at home. They need to see a consistent role model of godliness. Psalm 119 verses 9 11 and verse 105 say this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Parents, I would challenge you. Write those verses down. If you haven't memorized them, That was; those were some of the first verses I memorized when I went to a Christian high school. Some of the first verses I memorized when we had um, basic discipleship when I went to college. Those were in, Uh, incredibly important verses to remember. I would challenge you to write those verses down, Psalm 119, 9 through 11, and 105. Read them. Dig into them and ask yourself, is this what my children see in me? Is this the kind of person my children see in me? Is this the kind of follower of Christ? Not perfect, Not the one that that needs to be held up in front of the entire world as an example, because that's not what God calls everybody to be. But do your children see this kind of an individual who follows Jesus Christ, who, who loves His Word, and who applies the Word of God, and who uses the Word of God as a lamp to their feet and a light to their path? They need you to be a consistent example of godliness if they're going to learn to be consistent in their walk with Jesus. Parents, you have been given an amazing responsibility. And maybe you're here this morning saying, I'm not a parent. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you hang out with people who have kids? Do you have relatives who have kids? Are there children in your life? Did you know that sometimes children look up to somebody that is not a parent as much as they look up to a parent? Sometimes they look up to a parent. They look up to somebody outside because, I don't know, they like you. And they see something in you that they admire. Are you being the example of a godly, Christ-honoring Christian that those children can model their lives after? That they can say, I want to be like so-and-so because they seem to have it all together. And what seems to be the backbone of everything they're doing is their faith in Jesus. Children are a treasure from the Lord. We love kids, we love having children. And I love being a dad. I just, I love being a father. I truly do. But I don't let my love of being a father blind me to the responsibility, the enormous responsibility that comes with being a father. It comes with being a grandfather. So my two grandchildren are finally, the two grandchildren that are here are finally starting to like me. (laughs) For some reason, babies don't like me. I don't know, it's because I look like a criminal. I don't know, I'm scary. I don't get it, but as soon as they understand the value of a dollar, they're hitting hitting Poppy up. That's it. I want my grandson Jack to see his Poppy as a man of God, as one who is consistent in his walk, as one who believes that God is incredibly important, that church matters, and that the Bible is the ultimate authority for a life. I want my granddaughter, Lorelei, to see that as well. What do your children see in you? What are you projecting to them? Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house today. Thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you give to us. Lord, the way you watch over us. We thank you that you've given us this place that this church uh, survived this last year plus, and that we still have a place to come and worship you. Lord, I thank you for all that came out today, all those who are joining us online. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, One of the one of the most exciting aspects of our church to me right now is our children's ministry God it's exciting to see these kids and Lord you know that what thrills my heart more than anything as a dad is that my my two youngest sons love coming here to church Father you've given us an amazing responsibility as parents You've given us an incredible responsibility as a church. Lord, may the magnitude of that responsibility weigh heavy on our hearts. May it not be a reason for despair. May it be a reason for joy. Father, there are are some here today, some that are watching us, that didn't have an example of godliness, of godly parenting in their lives. And that's okay. God, I pray that as we dig into your word and find out what your word says about parenting, that they would take this to heart, that we would all take it to heart and do our dead level best to be the godly parents and the godly examples and the godly followers of you that will make a difference in the lives of our children. God, as we go from this place today May we be thankful that we were able to be in your house. May we understand the great blessing that we have. And may we understand and realize our great responsibility to reach this world with you. Father, there are friends, there are family, there are people out there that need a connection with church. May you give us open doors to talk with them. May you give us the courage to share. Bless us as we go, Father.